0: L D E J A N E I R O, soldajanero.com, and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off.
2: Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t shirts to those facing homelessness. you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. People in the industry
3: say, oh, I discovered Alexander McQueen. Alexander McQueen discovered himself.
2: Nobody could create emotion like McQueen. If you leave without emotion, then I'm not doing my job properly. I don't want you to walk
4: out feeling like you've just had Sunday lunch. I want you to be repulsed or exhilarated. As long as it's an emotion. These garments, they're almost confessional. In my work, everything I do is personal. Even turning Kate Moss into a hologram. I do 14 collections a year, so the pressure's immense. These
2: clothes have all this slashing and sex and romance. And
1: the darkness created genius.
5: Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of The Business of Fashion. And welcome to the latest episode of Inside Fashion on the BOF podcast. This week, we've got an incredible conversation to share with you from the co-directors of the new documentary on Alexander McQueen. Now, here's a little tidbit for you. All of the voiceovers of Alexander McQueen's voice that you just heard in that introduction and which appear throughout this documentary come from the interviews and tapes of our very own editor-at-large, Tim Blanks. So who better to sit down with Ian Bonnot and Peter Eddige, the co-directors of the documentary, to talk to them about this new film, as we'll learn, this was the very first documentary which had the participation of McQueen's inner circle, including his family. The film premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival in New York in April, and comes out on June 8th in cinemas here in the UK, followed by a later release elsewhere around the world. So without further ado, here's Tim Blanks speaking to Ian Bonnot, Peter Edeke, about the McQueen documentary, Inside Fashion.
4: The film is uh, an education for people who know nothing about Lee McQueen. It's also um, illuminating for people who did know him, because I think it's a take on him that is slightly unexpected, but, which um, follows from the fact that Ian is a, film, a feature film director and Peter was the co-writer of uh, the incredible documentary about Marlon Brando that came out recently i'm curious as to what made mcqueen the subject that you wanted to collaborate
6: on i think we both had um from afar we never got to meet lee but we both from afar from different walks of life we had a lot of sort of connection when i first moved to the uk uh, i started to work in in clubs and i was doing club visuals and one of the club we played twice or three times a month was uh, the Blue Note right next to the Oxon awesome Square studio. So Lee was taking the dogs and Katie England would come. We had vision of Isabella Blow from time to time, etc. And when, you know, growing up creatively within the, the the UK and London, you had the influence of Lee. Lee was everywhere. He was in front of covers. Uh, he was doing music video for Bjork and I started my career making music videos. So you. There was no way you could not know about Lee and his work and the shows, et etc. et cetera. You know, the crossover of everything in London at the time, music would partner with, musician would partner with visual artists, fashion designer would do some amazing collaboration. So all of that made it very, very interesting uh, he was one of the really interesting characters, a very inspirational character plus as soon as you you, you analyze a bit his life and you look at the life, he had a very very strong appeal as a filmmaker to try to put it on the big screen. I think you know we found out there was a, there's a lot of project and people wanting to make films about Lee and I can completely understand why because you know there's the Rags to riches story but as well there's the you know the the, the, the the misfit story within his own family and then within the fashion industry and the attitude he had the the themes he treated the stories he was telling in his clothes never quite being a fashion designer not being quite an artist and all of those things made it very interesting for me Um and I'll pass it on to Peter the same
3: <laughs> um, I, I, I mean, I, 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 as you very kindly mentioned, um, listen to me, Marlon. I, I came out of that thinking that the feature documentary was the most incredible medium because it's kind of like collage. You take material from such different formats. You put put it, you know, audio and visual and photography and motion. You put it all together to create a story and, you know, the juxtapositions are, that you can have are, are so extraordinary uh, and obviously Brando was, you know, was such a an immense figure, and it was an amazing experience. And I was thinking, who could possibly, who, who would I, who I would love to do such a film again? But who could I follow up Brando with? And um, and one day I was, uh, I I came across a a friend who works with Andrew Haig, um, and uh, he was telling me that Andrew was potentially going to do a dramatic feature film about McQueen. Um, I think that that Andrew's no longer doing that, but I remember thinking in that moment, God, McQueen would have been the person. You know, McQueen would have been such a fantastic story to follow up from my own point of view, uh, 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 someone to immerse oneself in um, for a year to two years, how long it takes to make these films. And why, I suppose... I, I kind of like grew up with McQueen a little bit, in in my family background because my father, Joseph Tedke of the Joseph Stores. Um, knew mcqueen uh was taken by isabella blow to one of his very earliest collections and blown away by it and sort of then stocked mcqueen in joseph stores bought mcqueen for for, for joseph you know for the rest of um, um my father's career really and so i was aware and, and i remember dad sort of talking to me about the fact that okay so he had this sort of badass reputation on one hand and was always in the tabloids with the bumpsters etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, but my father sort of saying, you know, but he cuts like no one else, and you know, he he trained on Savile Row, and he had that. And that, that was just such an interesting sort of like, the, the 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 public persona and where he came from was immediately sort of, you know, very very compelling. So it was a story that was sort of like just there in the ether. And like Ian, uh, you know, you couldn't avoid McQueen, even if he didn't work in fashion. In, in the nineties, he was such a you know, such an influential and ever-present figure. Um, so, you know, it, it was really a no-brainer. And then I heard that Ian was had become attached to a potential McQueen documentary. We knew each other a little bit. I made a beeline for Ian at a... a, at a the kind of industry party, we spent the next four or five hours talking about uh, McQueen and w- how we would want to tell the story and why we would want to tell it. And, um, and that's how we kind of came together. So,
4: so how did you decide to tell the story? Because there's a, there's a lushness to this film, I think, that, that I, found, I found quite surprising, actually. Um, I, uh, this is what I mean when I said that it's not quite what you expect when you go into it. Um, how, what approach did you decide would be yours? I that mean, would, given that McQueen is just so has been so omnipresent.
6: I mean, that, I'll, I'll let Peter explain a bit more, but it was very much started with the you know, if you want to look, if you if you want to know me, look at my work and this autobiographical sort of stand that Lee says that throughout his shows, you you know, you can learn about him and. I'll let peter you know talk more about exactly how uh, he structured the story to start with but the idea is that when i got approached everyone wanted something that was a theatrical proposition we want you know if you want to make justice for lee in moving image and in story term you need to aim for the cinemas so we always thought of that so there was always there would always be, we needed to get the the dramatization and the storytelling, emotional journey for the audience to follow, but as well visually the patchwork and all of that. So that we were thinking about, but I'll let Peter explain a bit more the the structure of the chapters.
3: That's very sweet of you because you can do that. You can do this just as well as I can at this point. I mean, basically, you know, we, 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 as Ian just said, you look at look at my work if you want to know about me and we took that almost like a sort of uh instruction from the world beyond and sort of like thought well let's use the let, let's let select a handful of shows and and make them the lens through which we look at um uh, 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 leaves own story um and so very you know that 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 sort of idea came very very quickly and then we sort of like thought about what shows they would be they were obviously the sort of like they had to be we didn't think oh which of this incredible cornucopia of mcqueen's shows we didn't think what are the most spectacular and what are the most uh, you know what are the most notorious or whatever we thought well you have to have the first show the, the graduation show um from st martin's and you have to have the last full show um um Plato's Atlantis and then what are the sort of milestone shows that really helped to show the turning points in his story or reveal aspects of his um his personal biography uh, and once we started thinking like that it became you know the, the 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 specific shows really began to sort of like materialize in front of us as as these are the these are the anchors on which we we must thread the whole story um, I think the other thing to say, you know, Ian was just talking about the the, the vis- why McQueen deserves a big screen treatment. I think it's very important to say that that you know, only f- three four hundred people saw these extraordinary pieces of performance art and fashion design in one um, when they yeah. live. Yeah, absolutely. And other than that, the uh, the way you can see it is obviously on YouTube because all the shows are on YouTube. But we felt that these shows needed to be seen on the big screen, that that was the closest you could get to actually seeing, seeing them live. And that we could do that, that the, that the archive material was out there. Um, and we established this. this was the, we didn't have any archive material to begin with, anything original. But once we established that we could probably get hold of the, most of the shows that we, we wanted um, and that they would look fantastic on a big screen... Um, particularly elevated by Michael Nyman's music, and we very early on we decided we wanted Michael to compose to provide the score for the film. Um, um, uh, once we knew that, we knew that we had something to work with.
4: Uh, I, you're absolutely right there that the challenge for any filmmaker is to is to is to communicate the viscerality of of those moments. You know, when you're watching a film, you're not you do you do get the show with the car exploded and, and the smell like in the Jones show, the Jonah, but the smell of that burning tar and the and, and 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 there was always a sort of aroma around McQueen. Usually something burnt, or, or there was always like a sense of danger. And I think when I talk about the lushness of the film, it's a sort of there's a sort of great rottenness in, in, in bits of it that really get the that really gets the quality of um, of of a lot of the shows that we that we saw. But given that he did so many, I'm curious as to why you did pick the ones you picked and and what you felt they said. Obviously, the first one and the last one but why you picked the ones in between. How many are there? That, and, and what they, We've what got five feel, chapters. Yeah, and what you feel they said about him in particular. And But
6: those five chapters started to grow into bigger chapters and sometimes actually um, 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 had more shows in them. I mean, Island Rape, you could look into the family origin, the Scottish heritage. Um, that allowed us... We tried to use in the storytelling to use typical... Move, movies uh techniques such as flashbacks which sometimes you don't use that much in documentaries documentaries tend to be quite linear or actually you start with the ending and and work your way forward but so island rape allows us to look back into um Lee's family life and the, the passion of his uh, mother for um um oh, I missed a word but for um, Ancestry and and where they were coming from, as well as the themes of you know the rape and the abuse, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, which was, you know, something that happened to Liz in in his youth and he, that he witnessed on his sister uh, Janet. So those things allowed us to look into that. We really we like. Um, the search of the golden fleece because that's his first move to Paris. It's it's not a McQueen show. That's why we paired it with It's a Jungle Out there. But at twenty six, twenty-seven years old, suddenly giving you know, you being called up and being, you know, you, you're gonna take over Givenchy Haute Couture house, that we, we had to have that because it's 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 very important for an audience and for the youth today to see how you know, he must have been it must have blown their mind, all his team and we tried to show that. It was really exciting, scary. But fuck that! Let's try to race to the challenge. And it was, you know, that moment going to Paris and being the talk of the town, like Sebastian says it. That's really exciting. But we always wanted to pair it with, with, with a McQueen show. And it's a jungle out there. It's it's fantastic for all what you said. It, you know, Peter said this three or four hundred people. When you look at the footage, there was thousands of people at Thank that you. show trying to get it and that's dangerous you know you have security issues those someone constant says it i don't know if you've got you know i can't remember if we used it but he says like you know not sure that he would be allowed to deal with health and safety so all the stuff he did at the time was so as you rightly said so so dangerous and so but it was this contrast where you had the pretentiousness of the you know of the intellig- french intelligentsia and then Coupled, you know, put alongside the, the rawness of Borough Bo Market and the madness of everyone trying to get in. And the pretentiousness
4: of McQueen as well, because uh, you know there was no vision too grand for him to, no occasion too grand for him to rise to.
6: No, yeah.
3: Uh, I think also the other thing to say is just, you know, that, that that was a narrative gift from the gods, really, because in a sense, the reaction to Golden Fleece at the École des Beaux-Arts was, you know, was one of, it was patronizing and snide and, you know, full of contempt for this English hooligan trying to take over a French haute couture house that belonged to Le Comte de Givenchy. And, you know, so there was that going on. And McQueen's reaction to that is to put on this show in the middle of Borough Market, which was a seedy it wasn't the it wasn't the neighbourhood that it is now. Let's put it like that. It was, it, you know, it was dangerous. It had that whiff that's of danger about it. Yeah, yeah yes. it's a jungle yeah. out there. So yeah. he's, you know, jungle is almost like a reaction to to the Givenchy show, um, and it's wonderful because you then have an immediate sort of narrative, emotional tie up between those two shows. So that's that's our sort of third chapter, and then we can go on if you like if you want. Yeah, fourth with, chapter. with the fourth chapter so the fourth chapter we always knew that we wanted the fourth chapter to end with Voss um, partly because it is the most extraordinary collection with I can't remember how many looks but something that you know had more looks than any other show in fashion week that year um, and was just a sort of like a um, a pageant of, McQueen, of McQueen's brilliance um But on the other hand, more importantly, there was this whole theme of fragmentation of mental health, um, the kind of asylum that he built, you know, the the models inside who couldn't see the audience – um, once the lights went down and they were trapped by these sort of like glass walls and you know and then of course the reveal of michelle ollie and the 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 john peter witkin tableau at the end i mean this had you talked about the sort of the smell of mcqueen shows i mean this definitely had a whiff of you know of something the grave wrong. yeah the grave and the and
4: the sound too when that when that box Blew, up, it crashed open. The, the enormous smash. The yeah, absolutely, sort
3: of feels, it feels. like the walls were coming in.
4: Uh, that, and
6: that show is just before we saw to to Gucci Group as well.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So there's. So that's a that, that that was a narrative turning point. But it also, I think, showed the was a, it seemed to be expressive of a certain sort of disintegration under pressure that McQueen had been had been coming for some time as he tried to juggle you know the Givenchy and um uh, uh, and McQueen um collections coming up to about 14 shows a year and you know although um we weren't allowed to feature your brilliant interview with McQueen in Hoxton Square you know when we saw that interview it was his anger and his the sense of someone who was sort of like Really struggling against um, uh, uh, oppressive forces is so obvious, and it, I think that really sort of like helped us. Although we weren't didn't use that, it, we weren't able to use that in the film that that particular interview. It really helped us to sort of like get to the keynote for for, for that chapter, and then leading up to it, you have the sort of like the growing pressure um, of trying to juggle these two the, these these two brands and fourteen shows a year and so on. But before the ship really starts to hit the fan. You get that moment of just pure joy of Number Thirteen and, and Shalom Harlow being sprayed by these um, the, these these robots, spray painted by these robots, um, which is a kind of high point in the film. And although the chapter is not, you know, it's not called Number Thirteen, it was it was very important to pair um, the kind of lightness of Number Thirteen with the darkness of Voss in that chapter. And then the last chapter really goes from uh, La Dame Bleue, which was... You know, I don't think people necessarily regard that as one of the very greatest McQueen shows, but it's pregnant with emotion for the loss uh, that he'd suffered of Isabella Blow. And, um, and, you know, in a sense, that sort of sets the tone for a chapter that will lead to his final show, to Plato's Atlantis, which is extraordinary, um, and then beyond that to his, his, um, his taking his life.
4: Do you know, it's it's interesting um, watching the film, the filmic quality of those collections. You talk about what a gift it what a gift it was to you, but as filmmakers yourselves, it's it's like making a you know like making a documentary about Alfred Hitchcock or something, because it is somebody's private obsessions being worked out in public joke, spectacle. Yeah um and and it's funny because at the time i suppose if i'd really thought about it it would have been more obvious to me but he was so young and and his and he was so dramatic, he was so kind of dramatic when he talked about what he did when he he was so he would make such dramatic statements when he talked about what he did that it was easy to sort of in a way it was easy to process easier to process it than thinking that you were watching someone in the throes of demons that you that you weren't really didn't really didn't really understand or didn't want to understand did you feel that while you were watching the film that there was this while you were making the film that there was a sense of somebody who maybe needed help that strangely enough wasn't really getting it
6: wow that's that's a that's a tough question I think I think you've met him many many times and I think even if you offered the help to to Lee he might brush it off one day he might take it on and then the next day he might brush it off I think I think it Lee is Lee thisce him mean? with his pride with his dichotomies with his you know the good and the the bad side so I think I think I'm sure everyone saw some bad times coming and a lot of people tried to do things, but if it didn't come from him himself taking a decision to, to change the course of things, I think I'm not sure it, it it would have happened. But related to the film, I think, for us what was really important is to never point a finger somewhere. And I think maybe some people have asked us what, you know, we felt that you could have shown more of the darkness and stuff, but we always worried I was, you know, we were always worried that an audience could just, you know, take one of the elements we could expose of Lee and, and just only focus on that. And that's very, that'd be very, very disappointing because there were so many things that, he, you know, he kind of did or, or showed, et etc. et cetera. So I just, I never thought he wanted to to take things. I think Lee never had time to mature really because you know he got thrown into it at 22 and you know his passing is at 40 and within that he just he was like a train track going at the speed of life you know it's, it's just like crazy what he had to do he did he lived maybe three people's life within that 18 20 years of life so i think what i'm taking out is just you know how much he had to 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 produce how much pressure he put on himself how much he wanted to overdo himself all the time and, and I think that's that's some of the um, yeah that's some of the the things I take out of, of having made the film and I think the shows themselves they're extraordinary and uh, we, we always you know we even use some more shows we did an aparte in the middle between chapter 4 and chapter 5 where we've got the Widows of Culloden and so we, we actually showed all of the shows but when I look back at everything I think the shows are go all over like his life and they he never had time to process everything so because the next one was coming is more, more what he felt at that moment or the inspiration or what he had seen was going to come out almost
4: well it's interesting he always said that when he was happy you could tell when he was happy because the shows weren't very good and you could tell when he was in the throes of something because then he would really push the boat out with the shows and i and i thought knowing him and knowing the rhythm of you know, our communic- various communications, I could, f- I could see that. I could see when he was coasting and I could see when he was really, really pushing himself. But I think you make... It felt to me you made an interesting choice in the film. that There's a conventional approach to a story like this and it, and it focuses on the work. And you did say that the work reveals the character. But the, the talking heads in the film are family, ex-lovers, friends... But famously, he had this intense coterie of devotees around him who shielded him, who protected his legacy, who still to this day um, do protect him, and um, who are are, um, clearly not in the film. But I think for an audience who doesn't know very much about him, I mean, having I was struck by this at Savage Beauty, that the people who came to the show, who didn't really know fashion, who were just drawn to the character, drawn to the incredible things he made, the fascinating, eerie things that he made, um, that having his family and his lovers talk about him and his, you know, the people who assisted him, um, some of the people who assisted him, is kind of... In a way, what you want to, what you want to know that you, that that you, because when you have that spectacle, you've got this other intimate strand that runs through the film. Was that a conscious decision on your part, knowing that, also knowing that it was going to be very very hard to penetrate the the inner circle?
3: Uh, yes, actually. I mean, you know, we went in with, our, with very naively thinking, you know, um, we. Well, I. <laughs> Ian's laughing at me because, uh, I okay, I'll admit it. I went in very naively thinking, you know, um, of course people are going to want us to tell the story. (laughs) But quite rightly, they didn't. And I think there was a lot of suspicion. uh, um, uh, I mean, uh, there was a lot of suspicion of outside people telling McQueen's story. There's been so much sort of sensationalistic, gossipy, scandal-mongering stuff written about him over the years. Um, and you know you can't just trust anyone. With the story, your words are going to be manip. Your words might be manipulated. You might be manipulated. And so, I think there was a sort of like a, a kind of dignified silence that the that the the inner circle that were around him at the time he died wanted to take. And I think we had to when we learnt that we had to respect that. Conversely, I would say that that inner circle that was there at the end wasn't necessarily the same inner circle that um, was around him earlier in his career. That the, 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 the makeup of that inner circle changed several times throughout his life. And so, you know, early on, um, having people like Ruti Zanan, his, um, his, his seamstress and the main assistant, and Andrew Groves, um, who was a designer in his own right and boyfriend, um, and uh, worked very closely with Lee. It had, by all accounts, a you know, um, a, a, a tension-filled but very creative relationship, um, I, I, you know, having those people um, speak to us very candidly about the early years of, of McQueen um, was a, was was fantastic, and, and, and that enabled us to sort of like set the tone in terms of the kind of contributors that we could then go to later on um, to tell parts of the story that you know, would have been nice to have had some of that last inner circle coming in and talking to us. And, um, you know, um, uh, but by that point, we had Janet uh, McQueen and Gary McQueen. And Gary was uh, Lee's nephew, Janet's son, Janet's sister. And Gary spent, was worked at McQueen for the last six years of, um, of McQueen's life. Adored his uncle. Um, and, you know, to some extent, I think he gives us some of the authenticity of what it was like to be with with um, Lee during those final years. Um, so we felt that by the end, even though that certain people were not going to take part in the film, we felt that we had the contributors who would be able to paint a very authentic and intimate picture of of who this man was. And
4: their voices would resonate with with an audience, a non-fashion audience, I think.
6: Completely. And another thing as well, it's, a, you know, it's a 90, it's a, a bit more, it's 100, 100, uh, 110 minutes. We couldn't feature everyone. And the way we, we actually build the story, we introduced those characters and we always had to bring them in and let them go, as you would do in a movie. You know, because, again, we never set out to just make a doc. It was a movie doc. We needed... so this, we would have had to make choices. You know, many more people would have come on board and we would, we would have interviewed them. We would have had to choose. We, we left three or four interviews that actually we made but didn't feature because we just felt that despite some elements were very strong, we felt how we would have introduced that person, would that person would have duplicate with that other person. And we were really careful to, again, for a non-fashion audience, the people need to be emotionally involved. So if you suddenly bombard them with information and bombard them with your potential knowledge and how clever you are with the fashion industry, they will have moved away from the film. And I think as filmmakers, Peter and I, we're really keen on making an emotional journey for the audience. And again, for me right now, I think the man with his laugh and his crazy madness and his stupid jokes, et cetera, you know, now that I got to know him a little bit, that's the man I, I kind of miss. Having spent a year working on it, it's not only the great icon, genius, fashion, etc. It's just that you know, that pranks and that guy that maybe you go just down the pub and have a great time with. Do you see what I mean? And I think we really wanted the people to know the man behind because Savage Beauty and the Met did that. You really saw the fashion he was beautiful shows and you could really as as a fashionista and a non-fashionista you would see wow that's that's art so before us we wanted to just rein back a little bit how does art come to be art with this amazingness but as well with this stupid silliness
0: L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O SolderGennero.com and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off.
2: Hey Dave. Yeah,
4: Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes.
0: Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase.
2: This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.
7: You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in-store, on social media and beyond. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bof, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash bof to take your retail business to the next level today. shopify.com slash bof.
4: Now, you know, the the people you did speak to uh, haven't been seen speaking about him. So that is a coup. Why do you think they chose to speak now?
3: Because we just would not leave them alone and so get <laughs> off my back. <laughs> <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> uh, I, I mean, um, I think that word got out. The you know, we, uh, after we did the first three or four interviews, word began to circulate that maybe these guys are not bad guys and not trying to sort of reduce McQueen and his legacy and his life in any way. And and so more people came on board. And and obviously we. We had our, oh, I don't want to call it hit list, but we, there were certain people we were absolutely desperate to have in the film. And, you know, it, with some of them it took most of the time that we were making the film. We were, we, we were emailing and having conversations with them and gently, gently persuading them to sort of like speak to us and take us seriously and maybe give us an interview. It, it was hard because not just the whole thing of, you know, of the sensationalism, but also the fact that, and in a sense what I hadn't fully appreciated beforehand, was that his, the pain of his loss was still so present in people's lives and still so raw. And so many unresolved emotions, um, you know, anger, blame, grief, whatever, was kind of like going around. And that made people genuinely, you know, you know not want to be, Put on camera and expose those emotions um, so it did take a long time even when people were willing to, to get them to agree to kind of you know come to London or travel to them and uh, 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 and and film them for two three four hours and I think there was something quite courageous when they finally agreed to do it because you know it's hard it's it's hard enough doing a a, 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 a written interview or an audio interview but to go on camera and to know that that close-up of you is going to be on a big screen that's that takes some balls to actually kind
6: of agree to do i don't want to mention one person but one person said it took a really long time a lot of phone conversation and that person is nobody knew could be so relevant and I think she became a really important person character in the film but she said Lee doesn't belong to me you know Bill Lee and his story and what I shared with him actually could be shared with everybody else because he was amazing and if I take anything and I'm saddened by some people not taking part is that I think they just want to keep it to themselves and the people opening and accepting to be on the film they just were okay as long as we were vetoed if you want and our, our approach was the correct approach for them so it took a while you know they needed to to, 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 to be to, you know to trust us but they just felt it was ready to share those moments and you know it, it, it just it was cath- Catholic. Catholic. Catholic Catholic. cathartic cathartic mm. for them
4: you know, you, you've you said that you didn't want to you didn't want to go into the darkness because that 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 the sensationalism, the, the, all those elements have already been covered in books and and um, other and 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 gossip and and the myth, in a way, is all about is is heavily on the dark side. As McQueen himself would always he would always say that the horror and beauty. Um, I think it's very smart that, that you don't dwell on it, but it is in the film, and it's in the film in the mouths of the people who were close to him, his, his nephew or uh, an
6: ex-lover or, um, you know, it, it, it's... Only himself as well. Yes, you know, thanks yes. Thanks to some amazing tapes that we found that were given to us that even to this day I cherish. You know, they spend, you know, I, I think I reread that transcript, Two hundred fifty times I think I could have made the entire film he without <laughs> <laughs> no but you're you, you completely right sorry i jumped in well he was all
4: he was always an extremely good interview um because he was he was always working things out in the interview there was never anything glib and it was painful sometimes um and it was really hilarious other times and sometimes it was hilarious and painful but i i do i do think w- w- was there anything you you did stay away from. Um, the, uh, it, it felt to me it's all there if you
3: look. But um, I, I, Just to go back on that, I mean, we didn't want to avoid the darkness because how can you possibly make a film about McQueen and avoid the darkness? What we wanted to avoid was the kind of more sensationalistic aspects, shall we say, that 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 were by, may have been byproducts of that darkness or may have just been gossip. But we, we wanted to examine where that darkness in him came from because it was not for its own sake, but because it was so important to his work. It's literally stitched, stitched into his work. So um, it had to be there. And But what was also important was to sort of like... You know, it's, it's the last show, the posthumous collection was called Angels and Demons or was rationalized as that was the title. Um, uh, and so we did want to look at both the angels and demons and get the right balance between, you know, as you say, the pain and the, the humor and, you know, charisma of the man. I think they're two different aspects to him. Um, so, But the, the difficulty with when you handle something like uh, childhood sexual abuse or, um, or cocaine or uh, HIV or any of those uh, aspects of the story is if you mention them once in the right context, they sit well. If you mention them two or three times or explore them or put too much of a focus on them, that's what the film com- becomes about. And so, you know, it, it's great that you felt that, we, that it's all in there, but it had to be handled very carefully um, so that it didn't kind of hijack the, the whole sort of mission statement that we had for, for the film. Did you, did you,
4: with that in mind, were you, were you thinking about, say, the Amy feature documentary or the whitney feature documentary um have you seen the kevin mcdonald no one yet no no none i neither mean of us. It, it, it's it's the same kind of balancing act isn't it that when somebody is on a path and the path is so much a part of who they are and what they do it's it's you can't get you can't you as the filmmakers can't get off that path either in a way can you
6: C- correct, but we really intended, you know, a lot of people at the beginning of the project ask us as a question to sort of see if we had good intention is, how are you going to handle you know, the death and I think that's another thing, we mentioned the death, but we don't dwell on it we don't dwell on the circumstances exactly or, or the details of it Um, we the other thing is the ending, that's, that's something we've really felt, is that Whatever happened in Lee's life, the legacy is still there and the work is still there. And because we told the story through the work, we just really wanted to pick the audience up and not let, you know, I I don't want to mention, you mentioned another film, but I felt this other film, Amy, tend to be going quite, dark towards the end and we felt that we just wanted to lift people back up and bring people back on 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 you know not to completely leave completely down you can be we wanted that section where we use unraised photograph for two three minutes and even that first title sequence where we use here or there from michael nyman which is a very upbeat song which lee loved we know that and using you know the the, when we use when we filmed um, the the close with a motion controlled camera in that studio. We just felt that we wanted the audience to feel that, despite that Lee's gone, what he's achieved is still quite amazing and, and extraordinary. And again, some people might think that we should have kept on the darkness, but that was a conscious filmmaker's decision that we wanted. We don't completely go the opposite side, but we just wanted to let people in. Because again, I think you've got a massive responsibility, not as a documentary maker, but as a filmmaker, with your audience. You're playing with the emotions. That's what you do. You know, you, you 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 convey emotions and you bring people on a journey with you. Our journey did, we didn't want it to end up sadly because we've met a lot of Lee's people and a lot of Lee's people have just said that it was the most amazing thing, you know. The best part of my life, you know, despite the tough times, was with Lee. We met some you know, we had some amazing time. And we really felt that we wanted to keep that open, you know, that positive thing.
3: I think the other, the other thing just to very quickly mention is, you know, the, the, the difficulty of telling a story like, well, particularly the Amy Winehouse story is that there is this sort of like dark, tragic spiral and not much else happening other than this awful addiction and terrible relationship and so on. I think the thing with, with, with McQueen is that even when he's in, you know, you know, Plato's Atlantis is the most extraordinary thing to look at. This is his last show few months before he commits suicide uh, i don't know if i call it uplifting i wouldn't call it depressing though it's kind of like somehow transcendental it sort of depicts these beings it's like we'll, we're going to start the human race all over again it's a reflection of his state of mind um definitely but it's utterly beautiful and beguiling and the contrast between someone who's producing this work and the state of mind that they were in is you know it, that that I think that allowed us to kind of you know not to dwell on that sort of tragic spiral in the way that you have to in something like when you're telling Amy Winehouse's story.
4: You know, it's it's the or well, Whitney Whitney Houston's story um, because it, it's it is the tragedy of their of their lives was that that genius that that wonderful talent that just went on a long, slow decline. The tragedy of Lee's is that he peaked at the very end. I mean, Plato's Atlantis is a vision of... of uh, now it, it, you can see, read it as escapism, but it is the most sumptuous vision of an alternate reality, of a beautiful world that you could live in, uh, uh, and as, in, I guess, an escape from the world he was in. But then the show afterwards, the posthumous show that he was working on, was so beautiful and serene as well. And I mean, you can only conjecture about the 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 abyss that existed that he fell into between those two those two creative spurts, because um, I mean, that's what the the film does leave you with with that with the sense of, of loss that this is somebody who died at a peak. Not, not, not as things were winding up, but he was just like you said that, that was a transcendent moment. It makes me wonder, um, because that, that's it's such a it's such a it's such a sad but uplifting. That's strange. It's 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 you know that that this, that, that that peculiar genius, that the 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 lost the lost boy who was also this. You know this God in a funny way. It, it it makes me wonder who you see as the audience for this film because it. it um, do, you, do you consider Do you consider yourself being non-fashion people making a film about a fashion designer for a non-fashion
6: audience? Hundred percent. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I think you know we would both agree. Hundred percent. I think we we passionate about stories and people and Lee combined those two things, but it happened to be within the fashion world. Um, You've mentioned Whitney and Amy Winehouse. They're two extraordinary people within the music industry. Just to come back on that very briefly is Amy, especially, I think there was a visual, physical transformation when she degraded in her life where I think what is extraordinary with Lee is that, you know, even on the last day, you know, he came to work is did he carried on the same way. I mean, nobody at work, Gary or people that cross him that day, had no clue what would happen. And I think that's something that is potentially, you know, I'd wish to 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 have known Lee. But I think Lee carried himself despite all his things. But he carried himself even to the last second with so maybe i don't know but he carried himself he's, he's you know he just you know you couldn't read it within uh, no. but to come back on the question about the audience sorry um I, I i i i our line is you know we made a film about an extraordinary man who happened to be working in the fashion industry and we haven't made a fashion film and i i really believe that i think I love fashion. You know me. I'm a little bit of a, of a of a fan as well, and I follow it, and I've done a bit of visual within it. And you know, I'll, I'll you know, I'll, it's, it's an amazing creative industry. But Lee Lee, and his story is an amazing story that needed to be told, and to be told on the big screen, and to be told with the positive and the negative. And, I really think that right now in the state of the country in 2018 and stuff like this, we just need a few he- heroes like Lee to come out and people that took on a few risks all the time, <laughs> huge amount of risk, et cetera, et cetera, because we need that. We need that, you know, in, you know, even like how the, the system is going for the for the art school, the lack of funding, the fact that A-levels are going to disappear. Now I'm going to get political about it, but I think Lee would go to get political about things. So, you know, in twenty eighteen, what eight, fifteen months before Brexit, in a divided country, in the rise of fascism throughout the world, in supposedly the Me Too rights, you know, pushing LGBT rights everywhere, we're still as stupid as we were a hundred years ago. And I think Lee's story has got a lot of things that inspire me that I want to teach my children and I want people to take with it. So
4: but as a as a also as a Member of the audience watching this film being aware of how it ends in that eerie transcendent moment and and also um, the, there's leaving it in that miss in that mystery the why because mm. you can't you can't you can't answer can no. why in a sort of general way, but in the moment you can't the why is the why still stays like you said it 's a bit intangible you do not shy away from his he has a monstrous side. I, I think the most the most revealing, well the not revealing, the most dis- discomforting moment in the film is that video at at Hills with Isabella and and and, and yes, and, and and Lee is basically trying to justify why he didn't take her to Givenchy when he got the big job in Paris, when she could have rightly assumed she would go with him and and that was always I think that was a huge that was a a lot of his guilt over her suicide probably I would imagine if would revolve around that but you have that footage so that is kind of a jaw-dropping moment I thought in the film
3: it's actually um, a piece of footage I hate to say this I'd love to say that we kind of turned up a a complete treasure we found some other treasures that no one had ever seen before but that is you can look it up on YouTube Um, it's from a it's from a BBC documentary um, which was showing McQueen going to Paris basically Um, and they just happened to be in the dining room having a discussion with Isabella Blow who they'd interviewed separately for that film about uh, about about discovering Lee, uh, and um, and it is a really disturbing moment. Um, it,
4: so it took on the weight in hindsight. Then, yeah, yeah
3: okay, yeah. I think it took but on, we, 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 mm. yeah, because we because yeah we build to it in the story, and also the fact that we have Murray, uh, his lover, and also you know Murray was working at McQueen at the time.
6: On, on side, you see yeah. right. and you see
3: Sebastian yeah. on the other side and Detmar so we've got three of our interview <laughs> interviewees are there and so it, it kind of like um, it gives a gives a certain kind of gravitas to to that makes it sort of but you are looking for the, the, those moments I mean I don't want to talk too much about the Brando film but we did have a very similar thing where Brando was interviewed by Ed Morrow um, with his father in prison you could Feel the tension of this father-son relationship, and when I first saw that sequence in in cutting up rough the the BBC documentary um, with Lee and Isabella, the hairs on the back of my neck stood up because I kind of thought that's in a sense that's you know, uh, and he is
4: and he is saying you didn't make me, you yeah. know he was sick of people saying Isabella discovered him and and fostered him and blah 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 and he was saying you didn't make me yeah and that's very i i find that moment really really telling
6: very true and i think i think what he tells as well is that sometimes lee wanted to be recognized for the sheer amount of work he's put in and but people recognized him for that but i think (laughs) i'll go to defense of of lee i think as a creative person and a business person, would you have Isabella Blow in your office every day, running around? I didn't know Isabella Blow personally, but what what I hear is that, you know, she was an amazing person. But at the same time, when you need to focus and you need to make things work, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, yes, he did push her away. But we found out, you know, he took her on holiday when she was attempting on her life. He paid for, you know, for for treatment for her. He He didn't let her her down, neither. But that's Lee. Lee sometimes could push you away and then come, you know, with Janet. They would not speak for six months. And then they would be in love again. And it's the same with, you know, Sebastian Ponce. It's very true that for two, three years they didn't speak for Sebastian Ponce. And then when they speak again, they were like brothers again. And Lee didn't trust some of the people around him you know, and it's obvious in some of the recordings we hear, and he needed the people from a bit further away to talk to him, you know, and, you know, the voices and the paranoia that grew inside him. But I think all those things are mental health issues that he probably was, you know, within him since a very young age, probably triggered by, you know, the abuse and what he witnessed and, and, and loads of things, you know, coming out from working class background. And, you know, I, I mean... You know, I live, in a, I live in an area of London where kids grow up with loads of friends with same-sex marriage and, like, you know, it's a lot more open-minded. But back in the days, as Lee says it, you know, you come, you know, your dad comes home every night, despite the dad was a lovely man, but you said I almost ran a queer last night. And so it's not great when you're trying to find yourself and all the rest of it. And that, you know, that, you know, and it's not, there's no point, you know, I'm not pointing the finger at anyone, but a lot of things that happened in in Lee's life were not easy, and he just he just made himself at the end. Let's let's really face it. He didn't go, you know, the way he got San Martin's. He went through him all of this apprenticeship, you know, going to Koji. Nobody told him, you know, he, or someone maybe suggested, and he looked into people and he really, tra- you know, that's what we come we take out of it. It's just. Everything he did, he did it for almost like purposely. It might might be easy to look back now, but we felt that.
3: Yeah, I mean, at the point where Isabella Blow discovered him at the St. Martin's show, he was already a bit of a veteran, you know. He had had been uh, to to, two... he worked at two tailors on Savile Row. Um, uh, he had then gone to work for Koji Tatsuno. Um, he'd Red gone Red. to Red or Dead. He'd gone to um, Romo Gili. In All Milan. of that is so
4: good in the film. So. Oh,
3: and it's yeah. wonderful. What, yeah. What's great about having it in a film as opposed to reading it in a book is that you can see, when you see you see a sort of slightly fetishistic Red or Dead show, and then you see this beautiful sort of Romo Romeo Gili collection. And, you see, McQueen, You can see mm. that he's looking and he's drawing Koji. all of those influences. Koji, the deconstruction, and the, you know the, the, the spectacular sort of layering of nature and um, and fabrics and things.
4: I have one more question for you. Um, the, the film premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival. Uh, what has the response been so far?
6: I think everyone is surprised. Up, no, I mean, but extremely positive to a level where people say it's you know they rarely see people getting so you know that it is so positive. Um but again I think, you know, it's not, you know, I'm hoping that the film is good, but I think that it's it's just testimony to to Lee and Alexander McQueen, you know, the interest he brings in people. People are going to see it. If you got people talking about it, that means they will wanna they wanna see it or they came to see it. So yeah, it's very positive um feedback. And I think for all the right hopefully the right reason is that people don't a lot of people if you label it a fashion film will turn away from it and that's you know that's a sad truth sometimes that the fashion having wanting to put himself a bit on a pedestal has alienated itself potentially from the normal punter with filmmaking you can't you know you're not a high hand world you need to you know you need a quite big audience and, and I think that's why we work really hard in trying to make it accessible through the human story and I think you know one of, there's two great th- answers we had but there's one woman that took the mic and there was a lot of very clever questions about the fashion industry and then she said she said sorry I, I don't know if I should be speaking but actually my friend dragged me here and she told me he was a fashion designer i was kicking i just don't want to see anything about fashion it's gonna be boring i didn't know anything about alexander mcqueen i didn't even know he had passed or or anything like this and she said like oh my god i fell in love with him from the minute one and i went on this journey and she was still crying and i was like you know and he's gone now and i'm gonna go home and i'm gonna watch his shows and i'm gonna learn about him and i was like Oh my god! That's you. You know, can you come with us on the road and, then, and just talk to everyone because that's basically box office biz. <laughs> it's, it was really. Like that. And then another person grabbed me, grabbed us after when we left and he said, you know, I'm a young designer in Toronto. That was in Toronto in Canada, another festival we did. And he said, you know, when Lee died, I spent seven days locked up in my room. I couldn't come out of my room. You know, He was for me an inspiration as a gay man. He was an inspiration as a young creator. He was an inspiration in so many ways. And suddenly I was like, oh my God, that's another responsibility carrying this film and bringing it to other people. He will touch people that they needed Lee in their life. And hoping, I'm hoping that that just gives them another windows through it, not just through books. They can watch it or they can, you know, have moments. People can make, give, you know, there's, you know, I love the moment where Lee talks about the doll when he's in the face and oh, why he likes the East and, you know. You know, people will mug you, but they tell you about it. And then he starts laughing. I, I mean, you know, I want him to be here and us joking like that
3: yeah i think uh, the, you know it, we've had a, a fantastically positive reaction and, and and playing it in front of 800 people at its premiere at tribeca was extraordinary but in the way the most the most true reaction to to me on a personal level was just after um the screening Ian and i w- dashed out to the go to the loo and you know before we had to do a Q and uh, and and the audience reaction had been unbelievable um and but ian was looking really depressed and, he, and i said what's up are you, you okay and i think it went really well and he said yeah it's just i really miss him and i knew immediately i mean that's because that's exactly how i felt this you know we didn't know him but we feel like he's become you know, a constant companion over that He was a constant companion, his voice, his image over the last sort of 18 months. And, you know, he's been a huge, hugely inspiring force in our lives. And it's we have to let go now um, and give it to the audience. But it's sad to do that.
4: Well, you've set the bar very high for yourselves anyway. So Ian, Peter, thank you very much and congratulations. Thank you, thank you very much, Tim.
6: Thank you, Tim. It was really nice to finish today Lena.
5: Thank you to Tim for such a fascinating conversation. I am really looking forward to seeing that documentary which comes out next week. In the meantime, if you enjoyed this conversation, you might be interested in the Business of Fashion's Daily Digest newsletter which goes out to hundreds of thousands of people every day all over the world who wake up and get their daily dose of the fashion news, analysis, and information you need to know to run your day as a professional working in the fashion business. For more information on that, check the link in the description of this episode or go to businessoffashion.com. That's all for Inside Fashion this week. We'll look forward to seeing you again soon.
0: l-d-e-j-a-n-e-i-r-o Soldajanero.com and use the code ACAS 10 for 10% off.